Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is a production of MaximumFun.org and is distributed by NPR. It's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. If you know Will Forte from one thing, it's probably Saturday Night Live. He was a cast member for eight years, and among the hundreds of parts he played was my favorite, MacGruber. MacGruber! The guy's a freaking genius! MacGruber! He also starred in and created the hit TV show Last Man on Earth, had parts on 30 Rock and a bunch of other television comedies, There was the Academy Award-nominated Nebraska, in which he starred alongside Bruce Dern. How how did you and Mom end up getting married? Uh, She wanted to. You didn't? I figured what the hell. But what about Extraordinary? When I talked with Forte last year, it had just come out. It's a comedy, sort of a horror comedy, set in Ireland. It's really fun. This is the premise. Ghosts are real. They can haunt just about anything, a home or processed cheese or a gravel. So they're usually easy to miss unless you have the gift of second sight. Rose, the hero of the film, has that gift. She's played brilliantly by Maeve Higgins, who's been on our show before. Rose got it from her father, who was a professional medium and TV host. Only the whole paranormal world isn't really Rose's scene anymore. She has a steady job as a driving instructor. She likes it. Okay. The villain, Christian Winter, played by Forte. He's an American singer who wrote a hit song decades ago and is living off the royalties from that song in a castle not far from Rose's small Irish town. He has a plan, though. Make a deal with the devil, sacrifice a virgin, and he'll be famous again. Of course, only Rose can stop him. Before we get into my interview with Will, I want to play a clip. Extraordinary uses a lot of faux archival footage on faux VHS. This comes from the beginning of the film. It's kind of a TV profile on Will's character, Christian Winter. And I sang la 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 la, cosmic woman la la la. And what was it about Ireland? that made you want to move here 20 years ago? I was seeking solitude. Ireland is steeped in the poetic, mystical magic. The people are uh, a simple people. Yes. Yeah, and all the tax exemptions, of course. (laughs) Few songs in rock history had such instant success. Christian shot from anonymity to mega stardom, practically overnight. But that was it. A one-hit wonder. Christian's success was short-lived. None of his subsequent records even made it to the charts. Yes, everyone does call him one-hit winter and laughs at him, etc. <laughs> Will Forte, welcome to Bullseye, and I so enjoyed Extraordinary. Thank you very much. Uh, it's so funny it, it, when I'm when I'm listening without a visual component and i the the con- conceit of this movie is basically there i i play a character that sorry i'm jumping right into this but i play a character who was who had one huge hit and then 
I'm a washed up old rock star and I want another hit. So I sell my soul to the devil, basically. And the movie's about this woman, Maeve Higgins, who tries to come after me. But but there's always a little suspension of disbelief in watching any kind of movie. But <laughs> but when I heard that, to believe that that was a, was a huge <laughs> hit, that song, it's like, oh, huh. And I sing la, 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 la. But I guess, you know, oh, I was going to say a song that I didn't think should have been a hit, but was a hit, and I feel I don't want to be mean to anybody. <laughs> I mean, you get the pleasure of, in, in this film, uh, wearing some truly glorious, your character lives in a castle. Yes. You get to wear some castle-appropriate garb in the film. Oh, yeah. And do some nice, some really cool prancing. That I really yes. enjoyed. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the the wardrobe was great because a lot of a lot of satanic robes and stuff like that. But but it was kind of cold when we were making this, and we were in this. Uh, you know, castles in Ireland don't have great uh, heating systems, so so it it was nice to stay warm and and uh, yeah, it it all worked. There's some multi multi scarf systems going on oh, yeah. around your neck. <laughs> no, it's a real, it's a real Steven Tyler meets Alistair Crowley, I guess. Were there any particular rock stars that you observed in preparing to play this character? I didn't really do anything like that but the guys Mike and Enda who directed and and wrote the movie they they kept talking about Chris DeBerg and I was like I you know I like Lady in Red and and god I feel like he had some other songs that were were popular but that's the one he's most known for but uh he seemed like a very nice guy so I don't know why they kept bringing up you know him <laughs> as this person to be pointed to as a Satanist. I don't think he's a Satanist. You know, he's maybe he's very religious. I don't know. But uh, it's yeah, possible he's a Satanist. Do you know that he's not a Satanist? I don't. I no. I, I, I will. I am open minded to everything because, you know, another question that always comes up is uh, do you believe in ghosts? Um, and what, what the hell do I know? I don't know. You're, maybe I don't not believe in ghosts. I, I think too many people. You know, make, make it's just stand by this belief that they're not a hundred percent about, but then they get real stubborn on it. I, I don't think know. I don't believe in ghosts because if ghosts were real, I don't think I could deal with that. Really, but I I, I would get freaked out. <laughs> but that's the thing is, I I tend to believe that there might be ghosts, some you know, in some form or another. Uh, and but they could be but you know it just like the movie shows they're in just like little teeny things it's not it's <laughs> not all ooh. it could just be hey i'm a ghost over here i'm gonna help you with your day you know that uh maybe my be... favorite joke in the movie is have you ever had a bad dream after eating cheese it's very easy for ghosts <laughs> it's very easy for ghosts to occupy the live cultures in cheese yes <laughs> There's so much little fun stuff. In fact, when they sent me the script, they sent along with the script this uh, a thing that they had put together, like a three-minute clip, a three-minute short that is made to look like an old videotaped show. 
it, it essentially is the very beginning of the movie, if you go and see the movie, uh, which is uh, Maeve Higgins' father used to, you know, he'd do this series where he would kind of explain the talents, which were, you know, basically the talents were your abilities to, you know, interact with ghosts and stuff like that. So, so in this, it's, you know, it's explaining how ghosts are everywhere. They're in, you know, you could, anywhere you look, you could find them. And, and about 10 seconds in, they're talking about the different places you could find them. And do you remember where he says, a gravel? <laughs> like, and there's just like a little spare, you know, one piece of gravel <laughs> skittering along the the driveway <laughs> and and i was like just from that moment on, i hadn't even read the script yet and i'm like oh i'm gonna do this thing let's hear a little bit more from extraordinary where my guest will forte plays uh one hit wonder slash tax shelter seeker uh christian winter who signs a deal with the devil so part of his plan is a, a virgin sacrifice and he has gotten himself a, a virgin in the film but he, when he goes into his sacrificing area while he's waiting for the blood moon, he finds that the virgin is now in two pieces and the two pieces are basically the top third and the bottom third of the virgin. <laughs> and uh, he's, he's pretty upset about it. We find out that the fault for this lies with Claudia, his wife, uh, who's played by the, the very funny Claudia O'Doherty. she is so funny claudia yeah. party is very funny and so cool too because she she plays my wife so we were on the same schedule there were a very few scenes that uh, that i was in that she wasn't or that she was in that i wasn't um, in fact, I think it was everything except for one scene we were in together. So we'd have the same days off and we would go out and, and just, you know, hang around Ireland. It was really fun to get to know her and she's a fantastic person and just so funny. God, I just had a great time. Um, you mentioned how hard you worked on your sitcom Last Man on Earth. Yeah. Um, there were... Three creators of the show, of whom you were one, mm -hmm. uh, two of them almost immediately upon creating the show became the most successful uh, action comedy writer producers in Hollywood after they made the Lego movie. Um, oh, yeah. And uh, you were you became the basically the the sole showrunner of the show, along with being its star. I can't imagine how much work it was to star in a network television sitcom where if it's working, you're making literally almost two dozen episodes a year while also writing <laughs> or supervising the writing of all of those. It was so insane. It was just, it was a crazy amount of work. I never knew what went into doing a show and I came up as a writer and so so but but you know I I got the SNL job before before I was that high up the ranks that you were involved in 
too much production stuff. So, so, you know, so, uh, so I, all this stuff, I, I agreed to be the showrunner at first, just thinking, oh, well, you know, it's my show. I'm a control freak. I wanted to turn out the way I wanted to, but, but I had no idea what I was getting myself into. And, and I, it was the most amount of, it just crazy amount of work. Because, you know, you'd you'd be for a while, you're just writing and you're trying to bank as much material as you as you can. But then production starts. Um, and so you have to be especially for this show. I mean, I was in everything in the beginning because it was just me and then Shawl. Kristen Schaal, uh, and then there were like three people. But you're in everything, and and I mean, also the, when it's the your show, premise you're... of the show, to be clear, is that a virus has destroyed the human race. Yes, and initially you believe yourself to be the only survivor. Eventually, you find a couple of other survivors. <laughs> yeah, but like basically, especially in the beginning, the camera is always on you. Like there's no. There's no B story where another guy from the office is stuck in the elevator or something, so that you're off screen for seven of the twenty three minutes of the show. Yeah, it's just you. Yeah, and then and then even later on when when more people came in and and there were a couple there would be scenes that I wasn't in. It's still my show, so I gotta stay down there and kind of check out what they're doing. Um, and then then once we start editing, then it's just then you're trying to write and try you're acting all day trying to find times within that day to to write and then editing on weekends it was i don't know i think i worked it out at some point it was like 120 hour work weeks for 6 months in a row or so i i forget the exact thing but it was just so mentally and physically draining the best the best way to describe it was it was the type of the type of workload where i remember new year's one year writing until five minutes before the ball dropped on tv just scrambling over to my next door neighbors grabbing a cup of champagne uh as it you know hit midnight cheersing slurp down the champagne, go back over at 12.10, and then start writing again. It was, that was the kind of... <laughs> it was just bonkers. I must have gone out of the house beside, you know, six times to do over over that first season. Uh, it, was, it was just an insane amount of work. How did you handle that workload over that period of time, like physically and emotionally? Uh, I think I got very selfish... Um, I lived selfishly is the, is the, that's the overall way, but it was, you know, I drank a little too much. I got unhealthy physically. I, you know, you'd, I, I would back then I was, I was a runner. So I'd, it, that's how I'd get my stress out. And, and, but there was just so much going on all the time that, that I couldn't, I didn't have time to run anymore. And I, was staying up too late to do everything. And so I wouldn't get enough sleep. And then you'd be eating and snacking more to keep your energy up during the days. And just, and then the stress, I, I couldn't get to sleep at night because you'd be amped up, but it'd be like, geez, I, I, if I go to bed right now, I'm only going to get five hours of sleep. Uh, so, you know, so I'd have a drink to, you know, help me 
fall asleep and that's that's not a healthy way to get to sleep and then you wake up a little you know little hangover it, i'd learned to i don't know i just was i would gain 30 40 pounds during the season and then try to start taking it off and it was it was no way to live and that's just the physical part the mental part was you know tons of friendships that were just put on hold uh not being able to be a great friend or boyfriend or just family member. It was, it was tough. And I have, you know, after the show got canceled, I, I just went out and traveled and just got to know myself again. I feel like I am a version of myself that I like more than, than I was. And I wasn't a monster or anything, but, but, um, you seem like a monster now. Thank you. <laughs> More bullseye after a quick break. Still to come. We haven't talked with Will Forte about Saturday Night Live. He was on that show for eight years. We'll talk about it after the break. It's Bullseye from MaximumFun.org and NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Odoo. Do you run a business or manage a team? And it's time to switch to Odoo. Odoo is a suite of business applications designed to streamline, automate, and simplify any company. Odoo has apps for everything. CRM, inventory, manufacturing, sales, accounting, you name it. Odoo's got you covered. So stop wasting time and start getting stuff done with Odoo. For a free trial, go to odoo.com slash bullseye. What happens after a police officer shoots someone who's unarmed? For decades in California, internal affairs investigations, how the police police themselves, were secret. Until now. Listen to On Our Watch, a podcast from NPR and KQED. Hey, you like movies? What about coming up with movie ideas over the course of an hour? Because that's what we do every week on Story Break, a writer's room podcast where three Hollywood professionals have an hour to come up with a pitch for a movie or TV show based off of totally zany prompts. Like that time we reimagined Star Wars based on our phone's autocomplete. Luke Skywalker is a family man and it's Star Wars, but it's a good idea. (laughs) How about that time we broke the story of a bunch of Disney Channel original movies based solely on the title and the poster? Okay, Sarah Hyland is a 50-foot woman. Let's just go with it, guys. Or the time we finally cracked the Adobe Photoshop feature film. Stamp tool is your Woody, and then the autofill is the new Buzz Lightyear. (laughs) Join us as we have a good time imagining all the movies Hollywood is too cowardly to make. Story Break comes out every Thursday on Maximum Fun. I don't know why I'm using this voice now. Welcome back to Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest is Will Forte. He was a cast member on Saturday Night Live for eight years. He created and starred in The Last Man on Earth on Fox, the movie MacGruber as well. When we talked last year, he just starred in the film Extraordinary. You can stream that now at home. Let's get back into our conversation. I I don't want to let any more of this conversation pass before I bring up MacGruber. Um, (laughs) Your your recurring Saturday Night Live sketch uh, turned television commercial turned feature film. Um, we like to hit the commercial part the most. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, that's one of the- We usually lead with commercials. That's one of the craziest (laughs) parts of the MacGruber. There are many crazy parts of the MacGruber story, which is, I like to think of it as a story, a sort of hero's journey. (laughs) But like one of the craziest parts of MacGruber is that it was a recurring Saturday Night Live sketch, which 
I mean, what we can what, let's start. What, we'll, let's start by listening to this Saturday Night Live version of MacGruber, um, which is basically the joke of which started out as, um, you know, MacGyver is was famous for coming improvising solutions to uh, uh, episodic television challenges uh, through like things that were left around initially. MacGruber was kind of like, what if those things were gross things? And then the joke sort of became, over time, uh, what is the worst person that could star <laughs> in a regular television show? And also, like, how much badness can we cram into a profoundly short sketch that just ends with everyone exploding? <laughs> um, so this is this is MacGruber on Saturday Night Live. And he and his co-worker are racing the clock, diffusing a bomb, as they always were, um, when an oddly familiar stranger shows up with some advice. MacGruber, this door is welded shut. And from the looks of that dynamite, we've got exactly 20 seconds. Okay, just stay calm, because everything I need to defuse this bomb is inside this room. Vicky, toss me that pen cap. On the way, MacGruber. New guy, what's your name again? MacGyver. MacGyver? It's a stupid name. MacGyver, pass me that thumbtack. I'd go with the gum wrapper. And I care about what you're saying because... <laughs> I'm just saying I'd do it a little differently. Well, MacGyver, you're not MacGruber. That's what you think. What's that supposed to mean? Ten seconds! It was a cold December night. It's a boy, Mr. MacGyver. What are you going to call him? MacGruber. <laughs> MacGruber MacGyver? <laughs> the perfect name for the perfect baby. Three seconds, MacGyver! Don't you worry, MacGruber. Nothing bad is ever gonna happen to you. Not on my watch. MacGyver! So, years ago, the great film critic Roger Ebert wrote this review of one of my favorite movies, Wet Hot American Summer, that was a, a parody of the... Uh, Hello Mudda, Hello Fado song. Yeah. And Roger Ebert, for all his many gifts, it wasn't the world's greatest parodist, but the, <laughs> the, like, the point of it was that, uh, uh, that this movie was just totally execrable. It was just really, really horrible. And I remember feeling so betrayed by that review when I saw the movie and it became one of my favorite films. And I was thinking of that as I read the New York Times review of MacGruber uh, by A.O. Scott, who's a wonderful critic, really insightful, brilliant critic, who opens essentially with the question, and he literally asked this question, why does this exist? <laughs> and then I was also struck, it continues along those lines, questioning why a movie like MacGruber would have come into existence. Later on, he says... Kristen Wiig was your, was your co-star in the film. Kristen Wiig is one of the funniest people alive. Mr. Forte is not. <laughs> uh, Agreed. gains extra poignance. Uh, now, I disagree, but uh, it gains extra poignance with the, with the, you know, style guide formality of the New York Times referring to you as Mr. Forte. But yeah, like MacGruber was really brutally received. I yeah. will say, I thank God 
my I I I will wait. Go go ahead. Yeah. What I was gonna say is my my friend Jordan, God bless him, saw the movie in in an early screening, a pre release screening, and said, "Oh my God, MacGruber is so funny." You have to go see MacGruber. And I went and saw MacGruber and I I cried with laughter. I was one of the funniest, one of the most laughing I've Thank ever you. done in a movie theater. Um, but it was a box office bomb and je- broadly, bomb. broadly poorly reviewed. Not universally, but broadly. Oh, I would say, I would say... I would argue that. Okay. Um, I, certainly, there were a lot of places that gave it horrible reviews, but there were some very good reviews from respected critics. Uh, you know, Peter Travers loved it, and you know, I can't remember the other people. But I, I would say I, I wouldn't – I was actually happy that it it was not skewered as much as it could have been. Like, you know, you go to Rotten Tomatoes, and, you know, there's – Catholic Mother's Digest or whatever that's reviewing it, and that's part of the 100%. And it's like, well, you know, yeah, of course, of course this is not a movie for that. <laughs> and I am I was raised Catholic, so so I knew specifically that I knew <laughs> I knew this was not for for my Catholic brethren. You had tried putting a yeah. celery stick in your butt at Sunday school. Yeah. And exactly. found that it did not fly in that no, context. But certainly, certainly that you know, that the uh there were bad reviews, and I understand that. I I love the movie. I'm proud of the movie, and I think that um, I I I would say that I think a lot of the people who reviewed it, you could tell who wasn't going to give it a chance in the first place. You'd go through and you'd go, "Oh, this person never was going to give it a chance," or maybe didn't even watch it. Or like you just, there were so many things about, you could, you know, they would make a a joke about, you know, why would you do, you know, something about how, review it in a way that made it seem like it was the the SNL sketch where the the movie had nothing to do with the sketch. So it's like, wait, did you, did you see the movie? This was not this repetitive romp of explosions over and over again. I don't know. It, you know, people can review it how they want to, and you know, A.O. Scott review it. Yeah, sure, fine. I I don't know. You know, I I disagree, and and uh, I I don't I I don't know that I would have trust in his reviews of comedy movies, uh, to be honest. Or or you know, and it's fine. Review. Yeah, if that's how you feel, that's fine. Um, he was you know. wrong. I think he's wrong, but you know what I do agree. I know? I wrote the actual movie, so it's certainly gonna. It's definitely gonna be up my alley because it's look, all I'm a revered culture critic too. Ao like. Scott, you are wrong on that one. <laughs> Jesse Thorne from NPR says so. I don't so. know that I'd want to sit next to him at a dinner party. It sounds like you know, <laughs> you know, he doesn't sound like a fan. Yeah, but I, I imagine that, that having that ha- having that kind of deeply mixed reception to the film uh, is in a way, in its own way galvanizing like i also thought i don't know anchorman was very funny i don't know what is a good example of a well-reviewed uh uh, bridesmaids bridesmaids very well reviewed super funny i also thought it was super funny uh 
Bridesmaids isn't as important to my personal identity as MacGruber is, in part because MacGruber was divisive. Just as like, I don't know, I love both the movie Babe and the movie Babe Pig in the City. Like okay. I both those are two movies that I really loved. Um, but you'll hear me talk a lot more about Babe Pig in the City because it was reviled by many, and I think unfairly so. I think it's just as wonderful as Babe, it's just different. Um, Is MacGruber kind of like your rush, <laughs> the band? Yes. <laughs> it's like there it you, is. You feel like it because th- there are some people who are super pro it, some people who are very anti. So you're like, it gives you, it, it just, it's gets a real up your thrill. But I imagine that when you make a movie like that, what you get is. Um, you know, certain people certainly avoiding your gaze in the immediate aftermath, but many people like texting you and saying, look, I saw MacGruver. It ruled. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, I, I will, for sure, we do not, or at least, you know, I don't want to drag Yorman John into this, but my, I, I've always thought like, I, I'm not trying to make something for, you know, for everyone, I'm trying to make something that I would want to see, that's something that I would like. So, you know, certainly it makes sense that a ton of people wouldn't like it too. But, you know, I, I feel like when you don't, what you know, if you water it down and try, not water it down, but but if you try to try to think too much about, oh, this joke wouldn't work because some people might think this is gross or, you know, and, and you think too much about what people might not like. Just go through, make yourself happy. And if you're doing that, the product is going to show how much you like it. And and I, I don't know. It, does that make sense? I, I feel like I'm doing a bad job of, of uh, putting words together. I mean, I think your passion for it is evidence and, and your colleagues uh, who created it with you is evidenced by the fact that it's now 10 years later and, you know, you had a network television show for a while and like in that 10 years it's clear that the three of you who created this film have really focused a lot of your career juice on either making a sequel to the film oh yeah oh my god or making now now it looks like there will be a, a television sequel to the film uh, yeah stre- a streaming looking sequel. good you know it's 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 you know, if this works out, it will be a dream come true because we just had so much fun doing it. We, it was another situation like Last Man on Earth in that, not the, not the hard work part of it. It was, this was, we just got to work with the part that is very much like Last Man on Earth is the people involved in the making of the MacGruber movie were fantastic. And it was just this really magical experience of, doing this thing with a bunch of people you love. So we just have been wanting to get that group back together. Obviously it's, you know, people are on different shows, so we can't get the whole group together, but you know, it's, it's uh, just exciting to get to work with people that you like and have a good time. And, and, you know, if, if I'm just very excited to hopefully be in that position. I want to play a Saturday night live sketch that you did where you I think pretty much all the all the setup this needs is that you are a kid competing in a television spelling bee. The word is business. (laughs) 
Could you repeat the word, please? Business. Could you use it in a sentence, please? Business. I'm in the insurance business. Could you spell the word, please? No. Could you repeat the word, please? The word is business. Business. B R D T F K L M G H R K W T F N Y L. Now, I think uh, Kevin had to, my producer had to fade that out there. It goes on for a good while. <laughs> it goes on for a long time. <laughs> Especially for network television. That was one I used to do at the Groundlings for a long time. And it it was uh it I put it up at the at SNL to see if they would let me do it. And um it went well at the table read, but then they ended up not picking it. So every once in a while you can put a sketch back up um a second time. Um so I put this one up because I had done it 50 times at the Groundlings or something like that. It was my favorite sketch I had ever done um, or, or among my favorite three. And uh, and so tr- put it up a second time. They didn't put it in. So then I put it up a third time, which is I maybe have seen once or twice, but pretty thirsty move. Yes. Did not get put in. Put it up a fourth time. Didn't get in and it would still go well at the table reads and finally on the fifth time uh jack black was the host and he he uh i think talked lauren into into doing it and it was i'm so i will always be thankful to jack black because because uh it, it was a really special experience to get to do something that you had done on the, there's something about doing stuff at Saturday Night Live that you used to do at the Groundlings or, or anywhere before you're at SNL. And, and that was a very special experience. I'm imagining now you pitching that sketch to like Derek Jeter, something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I understand why it took so long to make it in because there's not really anything for the host to do. So it's, it's, and you know, I think I, I I don't know that that's the number one reason it didn't get in. No. I would say probably the number one reason it didn't get in is that it's too weird to be on television. It is. I mean, it, it, it and I will give Lauren a ton of credit for putting it on because it is. It must be very scary because there's there's really very few jokes. It's really that thing where they either are laughing at it or they don't laugh at it at all, and then you're just sitting there while they don't laugh <laughs> at all but the it's it was uh i was so i was happy that he he gave it a chance um you were on saturday night live for a long time doing that kind of thing very consistently and it was a lot of fun for me and other people uh-huh. who grew up uh really loving like uh, an end of the night Jack Handy sketch or whatever. Oh, um, Jack Handy, Ooh, the but best. <laughs> I wonder if you ever thought like, 
maybe if I just worked up one impression of a senator or like one one good Kardashian bit or whatever. I don't know. It just it doesn't it doesn't work like that. It's so, you know, I I like kind of weird stuff and it's for for some reason, some people like my brand of weird, and other people's don't. It, it, and and it's that's why I always oh my god, like people like Wig, are I, I'm so impressed by because she her stuff is so weird and absurd, but it's also like she's able to convey it in a way that just so many people it's it hits home for so many people, and I was never fully able to like you know. Like like A.O. Scott says, you know, Chris and Wig, incredibly funny. You know, some people just are like A.O. Scott me, and some people some people do not A.O. Scott me. But it's you know, it's so I have so much. Wig is so amazing, or or like Will Ferrell, so is so absurd and weird and fun and just like you know, it's I just don't have that same gift of being able to to connect. Uh, with with everyone, Chris and Phil, the uh, Chris Miller and Phil Lord, uh, who who were my partners in uh, Last Man on Earth, they're really good with that too. Just just you know, incredibly absurd and and fun, smart stuff that is really somehow they're able to to really just convey it to audiences in a way that I I'm still learning to try to do so you know i'm not i'm not in the grave yet so who knows maybe when i'm 70 i'll figure it all out <laughs> well will forte i am so grateful to you for coming uh to be on bullseye it's uh, it's uh it's something i've hoped could happen on the show one day for years and years and years oh my and God. Thank uh, you i'm for such a fan me. i'm i'm so glad to this has been very therapeutic here. and i appreciate it thank you i i uh you know, it is fun to come here and talk about Extraordinary too because I, I mean, love that movie. Good news, Will. When MacGruber the television show comes out, we're planning an hour-long special. Um, I I would our, love to come back. This is great. <laughs> the support of our friends at National Public Radio. <laughs> 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 They're going to send Robert Siegel over here to help me out. <laughs> Will Forte, thank you. Thank you. Summer house in Berlin Just as winter ends My darling A spaceship Landed on the lawn We danced until the dawn Will Forte As you heard in this interview I am a very big MacGruber fan So it brings me profound delight To inform you There will be a MacGruber TV series It will star Forte Alongside his movie co-stars Kristen Wiig and Ryan Phillippe. They also just announced co-stars on the show will include Sam Elliott, Lawrence Fishburne, and Mickey Rourke. Look for that on the streaming service Peacock later this year. If you need a Forte fix now, you can hear him later this month in the animated movie America the Motion Picture, which is a funny and very fictionalized retelling of the founding of our great republic. Brought to you by some of the same folks who made Archer.
That's the end of another episode of Bullseye. Bullseye is created from the homes of me and the staff of Maximum Fun in and around greater Los Angeles, California, where spring is springing and my kid is going to summer camp at the Los Angeles Arboretum, uh, where there are a lot of peacocks and sometimes they do that whole peacock thing with the little dance and the feathers all the way out and you're like, man... Peacocks are amazing. We really take peacocks for granted. Our show is produced by Speaking Into Microphones. Our producer is Kevin Ferguson. Jesus Ambrosio and Jordan Cowling are our associate producers. We get help from Casey O'Brien. Production fellows at Maximum Fun are Richard Roby and Valerie Moffat. Our interstitial music is by Dan Wally, also known as DJW. Our theme song is by The Go Team. Thanks very much to them and their label Memphis Industries for sharing it. Watch out for The Go Team's new record just around the corner. You can also keep up with our show on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. We post all our interviews there, and I think that's about it. Just remember, all great radio hosts have a signature sign-off. Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is a production of MaximumFun.org and is distributed by NPR. And I sang